underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I am Sebi Salazar on October 2nd, 2023. Herc, how are you doing and what are you wearing over there? I am doing very well. That is a beautiful jersey. What year is that? I like that. That, that is I like a- that. This is this is this year's is, Real Madrid. It is this year, right? It is. It is. Some friends at Adidas uh, sent me this ahead of the season. They got oh, some, some brand new kits. going to be excited to have kid sizes like that. Uh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Look, actually, uh, there's some, some friends and family close to me are big Barcelona fans, so they're not going to be happy I'm wearing this. But, uh, wow. but we love the gear. Anytime there's free gear, we're going to wear it, even if it upsets mom at home. Mom's a big Barcelona fan. You know that, Herc. Yeah, I did not know Milagros was a Barcelona fan, but big that, that's a sweet Sweet Real Madrid jersey a la Madrid. Maybe, uh, maybe Mbappe there on your shirt will one day soon be at Real Madrid. LFB, I know the executives LFB. here at ESPN would love that with uh, La Liga, of course, here on ESPN+. Plus. Lots to get to in this edition of Football Americas. We got a one-on-one interview with Lynn Williams of Gotham FC and the U.S. Women's National Team. We've got some controversy again in Liga MX as it has to do with my beloved Club America and some big news, Herc, out of Major League Soccer. We got a new Supporter Shield winner and we got a new top seed in the Western Conference. But let's start checking in on CONCACAF action abroad. Goals only, huh? On this edition of Run It Back. No assists. Sorry, Jordan Peepock. I know you had an assist for Gladbach over the weekend. But Santi Jimenez on the score sheet. A goal for Feyenoord in their 3-1 win over go-ahead Eagles. It's goal number 10 in seven league matches this season, Her. I-, I don't care if it's against go-ahead Eagles. It's goal number 10. <laughs> goal number 10, look. Strength, poise, great little finish. Megs defender, back of the net. Feyenoord that's still unbeaten. Five wins and two draws. They are, however, in fourth place, four points back, the defending champions. Christian Pulisic with a goal. The game winner, actually, is AC Milan beat Lazio 2-0. It's his third goal in Serie A this season, Her. Uh, that's not an easy finish. Look at the bounce right here, and then the finish is great. In-step, very good technically, great contact, back of the net. And Christian Pulisic, again, another goal for AC Milan. Yunus Musa, by the way, also coming on in this game as a first-half sub, acquitted himself quite well. Milan tied for first in Serie A with their city rivals, Inter. Flo, Falaren Balogun with a goal and an assist for Monaco in a 3-2 win over Marseille, Herc. His second goal for Monaco, and of course, it comes after two missed penalties last week. A, a great response. I asked you last week what's his greatest attribute. It's his movement. He gets moving in an open space. He's going to hurt you. He's going to make you pay, and that's evidence right there. Monaco, by the way, in this game, played with two players up top. Usually it's either been Balogun or Ben Yedder. They started with two up top today. So I think that's good for his playing time as we move forward. Monaco right now, don't look, and it's only on goal difference, but first place, first place in league. Uh, Malik Tillman and PSV beat Volendam 3-1 on Saturday. Tillman with a goal and an assist. And speaking of bounce back performances, this comes a week after he was Drop from the team, hurt for oversleeping. <laughs> Good things happen when you are awake. Remember that, kids. Good things happen when you are awake. Great ball in, little dink, and then say what you will, optimal defending right here. I don't know what the goalkeeper is doing. Dives the other way. He didn't even dive. But Malik <laughs> Tillman with a nice goal, vertical running. I don't know what the goalkeeper is doing here. Don't ask me. Tillman, your man of the match there for PSV, who are perfect and first in the air to viz. Uh, Ricardo Pepe, a sub in that game. Serginio Dest and Chucky Lozano did not play. Of course, uh, Champions League coming up on Tuesday for PSV. All right, Herc, we got lots to choose from in terms of CONCACAF performances out of Europe this weekend. Who do you think had the best weekend abroad? Santiago Jimenez. Santi Jimenez. And maybe this is a an accumulation of the news. And, and, and mm. I know some people are like, well, he's been doing it. How great of a weekend can it be if he continues to do it? That's the thing. Look at Santi Jimenez's numbers. Look what he's doing. I don't care if it's against go-ahead Eagles. I don't care if it's in the area divisi. And we each, I have my own beliefs about the level mm-hmm. of the area divisi. You, you tweeted about it. You tweeted about it this week. You said we got to ask about the defenders. We got to ask about the goalies. We do. We do. Uh, but when some of the best teams in the world, some of the best leagues in the world turn to the area divisi, turn to the Netherlands, for their players, playmakers, goal scorers. This bodes well for Santi Jimenez. Santi Jimenez, he did it last year, over 20 goals. Second leading goal score score, excuse me, in the Europa League, only behind Marcus Rashford. You look at the numbers right now, top seven goals since January 2023. Look at the names on that list. Erling Haaland, Atauro Martinez, Kylian Mbappe, Harry Kane, Santi Jimenez. That is mind-blowing. I don't know where he goes, okay? 
I don't know how realistic some of the names that are in or around his orbit, the reports of Real Madrid. Linked to Real Madrid this week. I thought that's Tottenham what you were going to say at the best weekend. I, I just saw today uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. I don't know how realistic those names are. What I do know is this guy is going for bags. This guy is going for a massive transfer amount, and it's exciting because the last time you were this excited about a young goal scorer, Mexican, this last time a Mexican fan base was this excited about a young Mexican goal scorer was Chicharito Hernandez 2010. That was it. That was it. Going to Europe in his first season in Europe, it was Chicharito 2010. And he had himself a hell of a run at Manchester United. Could that be a place for him? That type of Team A or Class A team? Hopefully, but he keeps winning, man. He, every, every week that his name is on the scorecard, I don't care who else is up there. He just adds to his legend. I don't know if you saw this great article in The Athletic about his kind of development, his progression at Feyenoord, what they've been working on him with. And we had talked about it that maybe there wasn't that much more growth for him to have at this level, but there's a, very, a couple of very good statistics in that article. And it's basically his touches per game and his passes per game have doubled since his early participations with the club last season. That is all to say that he's just more involved. So it's not just goals now, right? He's getting assists. If you go back to the Ajax game, there's a great goal that he scores that he also starts. And if Santiago Jimenez, with his current finishing touch, adds a little bit of that playmaking, look out. I think at, at that point, then we have no conversation for who the true number one is for Mexico. Herc, my best weekend goes to your boy, Christian Pulisic, who, uh, as we saw there, had a goal over the weekend. And it is a good run of form for him as well. Now, let's be honest. A couple weeks ago, we were having a very different conversation about Christian Pulisic. He didn't have a great international break with the U.S. And then he got dropped from the starting 11 for the Champions League game against Newcastle. Since then, he has started three games in a row. He started against Verona, and they won. He started against Cagliari. He only got credit for one assist, but he really set up two goals. And then in this game, he gets a goal. So he's being incredibly productive. Her. You have to love that for Christian Pulisic. And you can also see it on his face, man. He said it after the game. He's having fun. I don't know if you saw at the end of the match, when he comes out again, uh, when he comes out of the match, Pioli's right there to give him a, a great big hug. And, and I know Chelsea won today, Herc. I know they beat Fulham 2-0. But I can't help but think, with his productivity and the awful start that Chelsea has had so far this season, that there's some element of regret at Stamford Bridge watching this guy do what he's doing right now in Syria. Absolutely. And listen, you say he got dropped versus Newcastle. I think he was rested. I think it's a, an accumulation of games. We spoke mm -hmm. about it back then. Listen, there's no way he's coming out of this lineup. There's a Champions League game coming up this week. I don't see him coming out of the lineup. You look at the team score sheet, uh, what the stats. Oliver Giroud, four goals. Leading goal scorer of the team, Christian Pulisic, three. Rafael three. He's among some of the best players in his team. When it comes to productivity, I don't know how you can take him out of this lineup. He looks fit. Mm. He looks happy. He looks like he's enjoying himself on the field, making the most of it. I've not seen this Christian Pulisic since lockdown Pulisic. All right. Uh, Christian Pulisic and AC Milan taking on Borussia Dortmund Wednesday in Champions League. So will we see Pulisic in the starting 11? Will we see Gio Reyna uh, at all? <laughs> he was on the bench this weekend, an unused yeah. sub. Speaking of the weekend, let's go over some worst weekend candidates because not everybody had a good time. Oh, let's start with Tyler Adams, man. This one, this one stinks. Uh, he was not in the team as Bournemouth lost Bournemouth into Arsenal. Of course, it was shocking kind of because he played midweek debuting for Bournemouth in the Carabao Cup. That after right. a six-month injury layoff because of the hamstring. And then this weekend, the Bournemouth manager after the game comes out, <clears throat> Andoni Iraola, and confirms that Adams did have a setback uh, for the same hamstring and that he would, quote, be out for some time for sure. Uh, Adams, if you'll remember, had non-invasive hamstring surgery uh, in March. Matt Turner, he started for Nottingham Forest in a 1-1 draw against Brentford, Herc, but early in the second half, uh, made a big mistake there. Should have been a penalty. Got away with one. Yeah, definitely gets one with the way one the right. It just completely takes out the attacker. Doesn't get called, but then, oh no. That's Brentford's lone goal. And as you see, Matt Turner did get a touch to it, but couldn't keep it out uh, in the end. Nottingham Forest and Brentford sharing the points in the Premier League. On the theme of CONCACAF goalies, Memo Ochoa, uh, not a good day. Gave up four goals as Salernitana lost four nothing to Inter Milan. All four goals coming in the second half, actually in a 27-minute span. And all four of them courtesy of Lautaro Martinez. Salernitana right now, winless and in the relegation zone with just three points 
from their first seven games. They have conceded 14 goals so far this season. Not a great start to the Serie A campaign for Memochoa and company. Finally, from the aforementioned Chelsea-Fulham game earlier Monday, Tim Ream with a mistake in defense as Fulham conceded a couple early goals to Chelsea in the 2-0 defeat. Armando Broja there, the beneficiary for Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea and Fulham now even on points. Chelsea 11th, Fulham 13th because of goal difference. All right, Herc. We got some candidates there for who had the worst weekend of CONCACAF players abroad. Who are you going with? A double mistake by Tim Ream there, right? Gives the ball away and then tries to clear it, clears it into uh, the attacker's foot. It's unlucky right there, but I am going, there's a lot of good candidates. That, this one is sad. I'm going to go with Tyler Adams. Mm. It's not just the worst weekend. It may turn into the worst year for Tyler Adams and the U.S. Miss National Team. Tyler Adams hasn't played since March. That's six months. Non-invasive surgery on a hamstring. I don't know the extent of the injury, if it was the muscle torn off the bone or, or the tendon or what had happened, but six months for a muscular injury is crazy. And when you play 20 minutes, off the bench 20 minutes, and I don't know if it happened during that game or the next day in a training or whatever the case may be, you're back out. I have to question Bournemouth and the medical staff. I have to question if he was rushed out. I have to question hmm. if the right procedures were done to make sure that a player of this caliber, a player who's important for them, was helped in the way where he would be led back on the field in a timely fashion. Because when you go under the knife for a muscular injury, that's last resort. You're doing it because you really want to clear something up. So the last thing you want to do is rush anything. Now, six months doesn't seem rushed. I am questioning everything now when it comes to Tyler Adams. We have seen his lack of health in the past, whether it's Leipzig, whether it's Leeds, whether it's the U.S. men's national team, and he's only 24 years of age. Say what you will if you're a U.S. men's national team fan and what Eunice and Luca and Weston and whoever else may have played there without Tyler Adams, you have not found a solution for no Tyler Adams. You may have gone two games, if you will, with the Eunice Weston, Gio Reyna partnership that looked good at the CONCACAF level, but you're talking about the team captain and one of the mm -hmm. standout performers in the 2022 World Cup. So when you talk about Tyler Adams, I'm talking about a player for me that's irreplaceable. So this one stings. He's 24 years of age and seem on the mend again this soon. That is worrisome. Yeah. I actually, I actually, to be honest, I thought you would have taken more solace in what we saw in the Nations League, right? We did a million segments when Tyler Adams was part of this team during the run-up to the World Cup about who was the most important player. And he was almost always, almost unanimously hurt the choice. And then he backed it up with the performance at the World Cup. I don't think anybody could argue that at that, at that high level, uh, that he was just a huge part of what the U.S. was able to accomplish in Qatar. But when you see what they were able to do against Mexico and against Canada, which I think we both said was the high watermark in terms of how good the team has looked, I thought you would have taken more solace moving forward that maybe this team would not be better without Tyler Adams, of course, but it could at least survive a while without Tyler Adams. You don't, you don't take something from that from that I, Nations League? Can I ask you something? Mm -hmm. Is this the worst generation of Mexican players you've ever seen? Yeah, but they also looked okay. really good against Canada. Okay. They also looked really good against Canada. That Canada that's impressed you? Of, that Canada I mean, impressed you? At what point in that U.S. game the first time in did that Canada years? ever threaten the U.S.? So what I'm trying to well, say here, and I, I said it when exactly, I explained it. Exactly, the team looked the, great without him. That's my point. At the CONCACAF level, okay? With Tyler Adams, you have somebody that's shown it at the world's level. When they had their best game of the World Cup, mm -hmm. who was it against? It was against England. Where was Tyler Adams? Right there, manning the ship. Tyler Adams, ungratefully to some fans, they think him of being easily replaceable. That's not the case. Eunice Musa is a very good player. Weston McKinney are very good players. But it's taking, it's taking two of those players to right. do Tyler Adams' job. And, and it will remain to be seen if they could do it at a higher level. It's not their positions. Now, I guess we're going to have to find out.
All right, well, Tyler Adams' bad weekend kind of comes for off-the-field reasons. I I'm going to go with Matt Turner here for my bad weekend. Obviously, on the, on the mistake there that you see, I mean, he is, he is extremely lucky, Herc. I mean, this could have been a goal, should have been a penalty. I don't know, might have even been a red card if they'd have done it right. I mean, VAR had a shocking weekend in England. We all saw what happened between Spurs and Liverpool, but uh, Matt Turner definitely got away with one here. He said as much after the game. Uh, also, on the goal itself, he said, I've got to look myself in the mirror. i got to be better for my teammates. So on that goal right there where you see him get a touch, uh, Matt Turner after the game is kind of pointing the finger at himself. Primarily, though, this is not just, Herc, about Matt Turner's performance. It's about the fact that Nottingham Forest just spent 8 million euros on a 29-year-old goalie with Champions League experience. And Nottingham Forest is not spending 8 million euros on a goalie for him to be a backup. That's about what they spent on Matt Turner, and they brought him in to be the starter. So I think this is real competition, and I think if you're a club like Nottingham Forest and you spend that kind of money, Herc, you are probably going to want to get a look at your investment. And right now, with Matt Turner having games like this, he's opening the door for Nottingham Forest. He's saying, hey, by the way, you want to look at that expensive goalie that you just brought in that's sitting on the bench? Maybe there's a reason to do it. I know, Herc, I know Memo shipped four, and right now Memo may be playing worse than Matt Turner. But I don't think Memo Cho is in, in danger of losing his job. And I think Matt Turner, if these performances keep up, has some real serious competition on that bench. For well, I wouldn't court. say Memo's not in danger of losing his job. They get relegated. He's not going to stay in the Serie A. I'll guarantee you that. Well, um, he loses his job at Salernitana, but that's next year. I'm talking about right now, this year, I think Matt Turner has very serious competition. Listen. I'm not going to disagree that he had a bad week. That should have been a penalty kick. That was a bad goal he gave up. Bad goal for Matt Turner's status, for who he is, for the bar that he has set for himself and he has shown us. When you have competition and you play bad, you do open the, the door Excuse me, for the coach to make a decision. So, yeah, this was a bad weekend for him, and hopefully it stays at that. But to discuss regard not only the bad weekend but but that bad year that memo cho is having mm. and we spoke about this in, in pre-prod mm -hmm. that's concerning in itself salernitana i mean they may set a record for for how fast they go down to, uh, to Serie A and how many goals they ship in. Lautaro Martinez may have scored four. You forgot to mention, uh, not only was it a 20-minute span but he came out as a second half substitute he was mm. historical in that Mm, there it is. Uh, not a great weekend for Memo Choa, not for Matt Turner either. Uh, Odysseus Vlakadimus, the, uh, the goalie that just signed for Nottingham Forest, Greek international. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Uh, all right, Herc, let's uh, move on to Major League Soccer with a little good, bad, and ugly from the weekend that was. We'll start with the good. Uh, and this is a split between FC Cincinnati and St. Louis FC. We'll start with FC Cincinnati. They beat Toronto FC 3-2 away this weekend. Brendan Vasquez with a brace. Aaron Bupenza with the game winner. And, and those three points give FC Cincinnati the 2023 Supporter Shield for the best record throughout the regular season. 19 wins in 31 games. And they still have a shot at the all-time record for points in a single season. They'd have to win out. St. Louis City, the expansion side, clinching the number one seed in the Western Conference thanks to a 4-1 win over Sporting Kansas City. Joao Klaus uh, with a couple goals as he hits 10 for the season. Two games left for St. Louis, and they've got a 10-point lead on second-place RSL. Uh, congrats to uh, Bradley Carnell, and congrats to Pat Noon and the two coaches involved there. Herc, which of the accomplishments is more impressive to you? They're both impressive. 
Absolutely mm -hmm. impressive, and they should feel very proud of themselves. By the way, just looking at that last one, it feels like you said that Cincinnati has a chance to break the points record. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've heard this the last five years. Every year. Every year, <laughs> right? What does that tell us? What does that What does that tell us? I don't. The league's I, getting better. I don't know, but I've literally heard this, or worse, I, maybe worse. Yeah. But I, who knows? Who knows? Um, but I definitely heard this the last four or five years. Um, I will take FC Cincinnati, the team that you called one of the worst organizations in Major League mm -hmm. Soccer. I believe two years running on our yes, show. Yes. Wait, wait, wait a second. At the beginning of last year, not at the beginning of this year. Yes. And the year before last, right? Okay. Well, if I did the year before that, then they were wooden spoon, and I was right. Right. In 2022, right. I, never said I just said you called them yes. the worst organization. Okay. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. Things have changed. Let me so give. Let me give FC <laughs> Cincinnati uh, their flag. Listen, what St. Louis done has done is impressive. I mean, you're a first-year franchise, and you lead the West in points. That's impressive. But Major League Soccer is a league where, honestly, quite honestly, if I'm a GM and you have me choose whether I want to take a brand new organization, an expansion team, or a team that's in the dumps, which team would you rather take over? I'd rather take over an expansion team because I could pretty much, in my image, mold it the way I want. I don't have contracts that I need to sort out, ex-contracts, players that I need to get rid of. It's much easier. And we've seen evidence of first-year franchises doing well. Not to discount what St. Louis has done because it's very impressive, but go back to the, the, the Miami Fusion days, the Chicago Fire days. You know, go back to Seattle Sounders, uh, Atlanta United that set the bar in some way, LAFC, you know, just, it goes on and on and on, if you will. FC Cincinnati, I don't recall such a turnaround maybe ever in Major League Soccer. You're talking about multiple wooden spoons a cultural just shock for those players, that organization, from where they were to what they went to. And all because they took a chance on the GM, Chris Albright, who mm -hmm. was an assistant GM at the Philly Union. And Chris Albright took a chance on an assistant coach in Pat Noonan and changed the culture in Cincinnati, got those players to buy in and really made something special from worst to first. We hear that all the time, but this is really one of those from worst to first stories. The change that you have to do in two years from go from winning spoon, and I, I believe it was like the three-year sequence of, of mm -hmm. those We're many laws, yeah, to now is unheard of. So I'm going to give credit here in the flowers to FC Cincinnati, to Chris Albright, Pat Noonan, Brandon mm -hmm. Vasquez, Lucho Acosta, who Lucho Acosta was an afterthought at Atlas, at Atlas to now league MVP. They've really built something special. Uh, quickly. You're impressed with FC Cincinnati. What did you make of Pat Noonan's comments? He said the Supporter Shield has surpassed MLS Cup in relevancy. Well, I wasn't as impressed with, with those comments. <laughs> Usually the teams who, who or people who say that have never won MLS Cup. Uh, mm. And I understand Pat because he's a coach, right? Because a coach would want that stability. Uh, but players don't. Hey, you remember when we won that supporter, the Supporter Shield? No, they talk right. about the championships. Exactly. And, and, and Supporter Shield, it's an unbalanced schedule. And anybody that tells you it's more important, more relevant, doesn't know what they're talking about. And I say this with all due respect. It will never be taken seriously until it's a balanced schedule, until every team plays each other the same amount of times, home and away, that way. Not, hey, I played this team one year and I didn't the next. Okay, so I am going to admit that I'm very impressed with FC Cincinnati, right? Specifically the work of Chris Albright. Because if you look at what he's done in the last two years, Herc, there's been tons of turnover. I, I, the exact number I can't quite get because it's hard to kind of track this stuff, but it's either 25 or 26 signings yeah. since he took over, right? That's, that's a huge number. But if you think about it, if you really think about it, he gets there in late 21 uh, and brings in Noonan after that. The big pieces of FC Cincinnati, Lucho Acosta, Brandon Vasquez, Brenner, they yeah. were already there. And these guys, this duo, have maximized them. Lucho Acosta is playing like an MVP right now. Brandon Vasquez was never as good as he has been over the last two seasons. And even Brenner, man, they maximized him. They, they got him off the ground. They sold him midseason, and they replaced him with Bupenza, who looks, at this point, like, like a perfect fit for this team. So FC Cincinnati has done great. The one thing is, Herc, we saw it coming. We saw it coming last year when they had a very, very good regular season, not just in terms of what they were able to do in the standings, but the eye test, right? They played attractive soccer. You could see that this was coming. Nobody saw this coming with St. Louis. In fact, I think what people saw coming 
was a repeat of FC Cincinnati's first three seasons when they're wooden spoon, wooden spoon, wooden spoon. They basically built the team like FC Cincinnati. There weren't a whole lot of stars. And Eric, if you think about it, right, they go into a Western Conference that includes Seattle, mm-hmm. which we'll agree here, right, Sounders TV, is the best run organization in Major League Soccer over the last, I don't know, decade. And it's also Western Conference, Herc, where you find LAFC coming off Wild one Wild of West. the best seasons, one of the best seasons ever. And, and not just seasons, but one of the best teams ever in MLS history. MLS regular season, MLS Cup, CONCACAF Champions League, even if they blew it in the final. This is a great team, and they have run away with this conference. And her. For all of the expansion success stories that you have mentioned, no expansion team has ever come in and won their conference. There have been expansion teams that came in and won MLS Cup back in back in the olden days, but never has a team come in and won the conference. So for those reasons, I am so impressed. So impressed. Bob, with St. Bradley, Louis City. Bob Bradley won the double with Chicago Fire, the US Open well, Cup. Okay, but he didn't win the supporter shield. He didn't win the supporter shield. Yeah. What I'm not impressed with, what I'm not impressed with about St. Louis City is Tim Parker taking all the predictions from the MLSsoccer.com folks, Herc, and and puffing out his muscles now. Okay. There's some bad karma there. Just remember that was Austin's bit last year, and look at where they are in the standings. Yeah. Don't dance on somebody's grave, right? Listen, man. The funny thing is they're taking, they're taking MLS. Pundits, and I mean that because these people are employed by Major League mm-hmm. Soccer and they're trying to shove it into their face. Like, all right, man. <laughs> Tim Parker, upset, upset. Uh, you know, no problem. Whatever works for you for bulletin board material. Yeah, Let's whatever get to the gets bat, you going. Or, whatever gets you going. Uh, the bat actually comes uh, from one of those two games. Uh, and it's away from the field. Lorenzo Insigne of Toronto FC, of course, designated player, European champion with Italy, uh, was sat in the stands injured, and he got into a heated confrontation with TFC fans, all caught on tape and from multiple angles. Uh, there's what appeared to be a naughty hand gesture, as well as some profanity from Insigne. TFC in the middle of a disastrous season, only four wins and dead last in all of Major League Soccer. Hurt. Are we witnessing an all-time bust here when it comes to Lorenzo Insigne at Toronto FC? Man, I'm, I'm rattling my brain right now trying to think of some of the all-time busts. You know, some people will recognize these names. Maybe some won't. Denilson, World Cup winner, goes to mm-hmm. FC Dallas. That was a bust. You're going old school. You're going old school right there. I mean, Andrea Pirlo was in New York. That was a bust. But even New York did well with Andrea Pirlo. I think they got to a Western Conference final, if memory serves me right, or second in the West, something like that. Uh, Steven Gerrard at LA Galaxy. That was a bust. Rafa Marquez at New York Red Bull. Massive mm-hmm. bust. Insulted his teammates. Wasn't well-liked there. Uh, made a lot of money. That's a bust. There's a few more in the mix, but when you think about, I mean, price per square foot, if you will, uh, here with, somebody's building a house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, this is this is a massive amount of money to spend on a player mm-hmm. that you've not gotten production out of. That quite frankly hasn't been fit. I mean, he last played in July. He's not played since July. And also, I mean, the reports of him and Bernadeschi, uh, you know, the, the other Italian DP, per The Athletic, that organized a revolt, if you will, uh, against Bob Bradley, had him outed. And, and then he goes, and Terry Dunfield, the assistant you know, coach, comes in, or, or a guy who was a good steward in Toronto FC franchise, comes in and tries to help this team out. And during a training session, walks off the field on Terry Dunfield like there is no pleasing the man. Now, you could say whatever you want. It's one person. One person can't change in an organization. But when you're spending that much money, when you're spending that amount of money, it's just part of the problem. And it goes back to why is this a bust? It's a bust because Bill Manning, the architect of all failures, Toronto FC, decided to go up on transfermarket.com and look up how much this player was worth. Oh, we could do this. We could afford him. He did his data analysis this way. This would be a good signing for us. A diminutive Italian. It's worked for. It's worked before with Sebastian Javinko. Let's try it again. So much so that we are hearing upwards of 14, 15 million a year mm-hmm. before he signed. This is just a dumpster fire and, and par for the course for the Bill Manning tenure. Yeah. When you're, when you're thinking about a bust, you got to think of expectations. And I think expectations come down to two things, basically. Your resume and the cost, right? The resume here is outstanding. This is about as good of a resume as has ever landed in Major League Soccer. It's a guy who was starting in a European final for Italy about 12, 18 months before. He comes over effectively in his prime, maybe a little bit on the back end of it. 
but an exceptionally good player walking into the league. And then the cost, Herc. I mean, this guy basically doubled the salary range in MLS. If you go from effectively David Beckham to Lorenzo Insigne, the, the, the high end of MLS salaries in all of that time went from about $5 million per season with Beckham up to, what, seven or eight max? And all of a sudden, Insigne, we're talking about 14, 15. Those are crazy numbers. They got four goals, four assists for that in 19 games this season. They got six goals in 11 games for that last season. The worst part of this, Herc, is it's a four-year deal. So this guy who's not producing on the field and seems to be very toxic off it, if I'm John Herdman, you, do you think he wants a piece of Insignia? Now, John Herdman, if anything, is by all means Canadian. And what I mean by that is a, he's a people pleaser. He wants to please the Canadians. Toronto fans don't seem pretty pleased. There's a huge, hmm. there's a massive, actually, contingent of Italian fans uh, in the Toronto surrounding area. But when it comes to Toronto FC fans, they don't care where you're from. They want winners and they want people that mm -hmm. are invested. All right. I know that's why they loved you so much in your brief time there at the Toronto FC. Let's get to the ugly. Inter-Miami have released their 2024 season ticket prices, and this should not be the ugly. This should be stock, because uh, somebody's getting rich here. According to the Miami Herald, the cheapest seats this year cost about $28.5 per game. In 2024, that same ticket in the North Stand will cost 52 bucks per game, and the increase is the same with the expensive seats, many of those more than doubling in cost, according to the newspaper. Herc, are Inter-Miami taking advantage of fans by jacking up season ticket prices in the wake of Lionel Messi's arrival? It sure looks that way. Listen, I I'm trying to be as diplomatic as I can here, as, as fair as I can. I live in Los Angeles, and there are crazy events that you just spend crazy amounts of money on. And I'm a father of two, so when we go out, it's four, you know, four tickets here, four meals there. It adds up. It's 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 not an easy thing. And I used in the pre-prod meeting when we were talking about this, the Lakers. Well, they're trying to be like the L.A. Lakers. And at some mm -hmm. point to get there, you have to do something to get there. Just having Messi won't be enough, right? Price gouging like that won't be enough. It could be seen as taking advantage of the fan. So what I'm trying to imagine is the promise of more. What will you offer mm. fans for having one of the highest ticket prices on the market. Is it just well, Messi? What more do you want than Messi? Well, you want a winning product, one, and you want more than just Messi, because Messi's going to be there for how much longer? What happens post-Messi? You want a revolution is what you want, Seb. You want not only a Luka Modric who's been rumored, but you want the next big thing. You want the next American big thing. You want the next foreign big thing. You want the next superstar in your market. That's the only way I could see this actually working because to be the LA Lakers to be the showtime to mm -hmm. to say we are an event type of town because if you could look at a Laker game it's who's at the Laker game and when we look at inner Miami games Apple TV wants to showcase who's at the inter Miami games well if you want to do that you have to have something on the field as well on the court as well it just can't be in the stands because if you're going to charge this type of amount of money for what's on the stands well, what you lose is, is much more you lose culture you lose grassroots you lose credibility Look, of, of all the problems I got with Inter-Miami, this is actually not it. I think this is a fair representation of the change in value from one season to another if you add Lionel Messi. And if I'm an Inter-Miami fan, I may be bitter. I may be a little bit lighter in the wallet, but I know I can make my money back. The MLS regular season, like, I don't have to go to every game. And I know that whatever I'm paying, as long as Lionel Messi is playing, I know 100% I'm going to get my money back. This deserves to be hurt the most expensive ticket in major league soccer and honestly it deserves to be the most expensive ticket in american sports when you think about who Lionel messi is who Lionel messi is and on top of that you're crazy the, the demand the hot demand her there's there's eighty thousand seats in an nfl stadium there's twenty thousand seats here there is are you no advocating for scalping tickets for gouging prices are you, no are you trying to tell us right now that you got, should you should you, you should be, be okay with business. an aging superstar no. who's you, injury prone at this stage in his career right now? We've not seen the man play in the last month, and you want to say it's okay to spend this amount of money because you'll make yes. it back in the back end by selling yes. it? What if he's yes. not playing? These what are incredibly valuable assets, Herc. Assets. These are incredibly valuable assets. Yes. Good lord, I you, need to have a talk with with here's Milagros. My bigger problem, I think, where Inter Miami is taking advantage of fans is what's happening right now. 
this back and forth on the messy injury, this, oh, we're not going to tell you that he's not coming to Atlanta. So he's think about have to it, tell Sam. You. You're trying he's to say you'll to make the you money. You don't the, have to go to every single game. You can sell the tickets. What guarantees you that an aging superstar who's starting to show wear and tear will be there next season? He's on season? the roster, Herc. That's what you're, you're buying the shot that he's on the roster and that he's going to play buying like the he has shot for most he's on the every roster. other season of his career, most of the games. Seth, you you want to talk about his You want to talk about his track record with injuries? Go ahead. Tell me Seth, how many games you think he's going to make. Seb, this is one of the worst takes I've ever heard from you. To, to, to sit here. What do you want Inter Miami to give away the tickets? You don't no, want them to raise ticket no. prices at all? Seb, they for just that spent amount $50 million for that on this guy. Money, they brought in Seth you can go from they Miami. Jordi Alba. They're bringing in Luka Modric, according to you. Oh, they and brought you in Jordi just... Alba? They, they don't want to pay anything. They brought in Jordi Alba. Listen, for that amount of money, Seb, they can go from Miami to Spain, okay? Either Barcelona mm. or Real Madrid. Watch the Super Clasico. Have a great time. Come on back and still have a lot left over. And you're trying to sit here and lie to us and tell us it's At least they're being honest here. At least they're being forthright here. You're trying to say it's one of the best tickets in American yes. sports? Get out yes. of here, man. This Get is one of here. the most valuable tickets Get in American sports. And, and, and I'll put my money this where my mouth is. how I know DC sports don't exist. One of the best tickets. Come on, man. Come you on. You find me a more expensive season ticket. Go ahead. Go ahead. Find me one. In what? Go ahead. Any sport, any American sport, you find me a more expensive season ticket. Go ahead. That does not mean it's better. That does not mean it's better, Seb. I it said it's the mean. most valuable ticket. I didn't say better. Better is subjective. I'm telling you, it's the most. Ex- it deserves to be the most you're, expensive. You're, you're moving in- the goalpost. Valuable, expensive. Which one is it? It's both. Expensive, valuable is the same thing. We're talking about a, a monetary. But you're amount, saying or- one is subjective and the other isn't. So how how are you describing valuable? Come no, on. I, when you say best, that doesn't mean anything. Best. What does that mean? That the the atmosphere in the stands. I'm telling you, it's the most valuable thing, and you want Inter Miami to give it away for free. You're gonna start working Why for free here. Why is it valuable? Why is it valuable? Because Lionel Messi's there. So, so that's what. So, so uh, behind behind having him be a prop for the league, okay, being the mainstay for the league. Mm-hmm. Now you want people because it's a small stadium, pay enormous pay amounts. Yes, exactly. No, yes. no, no, no. You that's can pay how it more works in concerts anywhere. You can pay where more, said, but are you are you are you okay with how much more? You can pay more. Supply and demand. Got to make your money, man. Got to we'll make your money. Messi's not going to be there forever. We'll see, how, we'll see how long that lasts. All right, uh, more Inter-Miami news, Herc. They did play a game this weekend. No Lionel Messi still chasing that playoff spot uh, after losing the Open Cup final, by the way, midweek. They drew on Saturday uh, at home against New York City FC. Needed a last-minute equalizer from Tomas Aviles to get the job done. Yeah, I thought it was Joseph Martinez at the backside, but it ended up being Aviles right there. Right on time, 95th minute gives Inter-Miami a fighting chance at the playoffs. They're happy. They are happy. The game finishes in a 1-1 draw. Here is the aforementioned playoff picture. Inter-Miami, four points from the playoff line with four games to go, but they'd have to leapfrog four teams just to get into that ninth spot. Meanwhile, in eight, it is New York City FC and their manager, Nick Cushing, not very happy after the draw with Miami. I think ultimately... We knew coming in here that we were going to be walking down the MLS red carpet and we probably weren't going to be the invited guests. So um, there's many moments in the game that... Um, but I've watched the games. I, you know, I watched the game when Peter Vermee spoke after the game. I watched the game when Oscar Perea spoke after the game. You know, We've all been in these moments and unfortunately, you know, we get seven minutes at the end that, in my opinion, isn't seven minutes. But, you know, those guys are going to do their job and they've got a job to do today, so they did it. I feel sorry for our boys tonight because... We, we feel a little bit unfairly treated in the sense of there's big moments in the game that that, that never went our way. There's red card, there's seven minutes, there's, you know, there's many, many, so many fouls in the game. And I just thought, uh, you know, we experienced what, what, what other teams have experienced when they came in. All right, Herc. What do we think? Is it a get loss for Nick Cushing or is he speaking the truth? Um, I'm not going to give him a get lost, but he's also not speaking the entire truth. Listen, we, we've had this discussion before, Seb. Uh, big players, big teams, and, and maybe Inter-Miami traditionally isn't a big team, but since Messi is there, it's a massive team now. Um, those type of teams get calls. They have things go their way at times. The Barcelonas, the Real Madrids, the Americas, whatever the case may be. That's, that's what happens, right? So, so I sympathize and I understand what he's saying. Oscar Pareja, we saw the Orlando uh, game at League's Cup and what it transcended there. We're all in agreement. Messi maybe could have seen three yellow cards, right? It was, it was that bad. 
But some of the other things in this game, I mean, the goal scored in the 95th minute. When you look at stoppage time, I, I think in today's norm would be seven, even eight minutes, if that. Uh, there are There is a play when Dixon Arroyo goes through Pereira, Pereira, excuse me, and it could be a red. Absolutely. You should feel hard done. But no hard, more hard done than calls that go your way or don't go your way throughout the course of a regular season. I think more than anything here, he's trying to use this as a scapegoat into why they lost this game. Listen, Mm -hmm. New York City FC could have been up 3-0 in the 20th minute. They had countless opportunities, a clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities that they didn't take advantage of. Now, they'll continue, I think, six games without a loss. They should be proud, should be happy, but this was a very winnable winnable game for them. So he'll feel hard done with that. I mean, he's not really even complaining – primarily about a specific call, right? He's just mad about how long they played. This is a stoppage time concern, which to me sounds like an excuse, like, oh, they gave him too much time. New York City's not a very good team. They've won eight of 32 games so far this season. So a team that has won one of every four games so far this season is not just in contention for the playoffs, Herc. They are above the playoff line with two or three games left to go in Major League Soccer. I know we want everybody to compete, but uh, that seems to be a pretty low bar. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's go to another league that at one point had a very low bar for uh, who would get into the playoffs. And you might still say the same about Liga Mekis. Club America and Pumas doing battle over the weekend in this Mexico City Clásico. It was 0-0 late into the game. 71st minute, Cabecita Rodriguez in behind and is taken down. At first, no penalty given her. Then they go to VAR, and a penalty was given. You think it's a penalty? Hell yeah, I think it's a penalty. I don't think it's a penalty. Okay. And this is why it's surprising. It doesn't matter what we'll get into it, but, oh, this is unlucky. Julio Gonzalez gets a thigh, crossbar, and then Cabrita Rodriguez into the net. Fights breaking out after the game. Pumas manager Tuco Mohamed heated. Contra todo difícil. Tienes a los dos minutos, los dos do laterales amonestados. Es muy difícil así. Eh, y después, bueno, después vieron todos ustedes, lo vieron. Lo que pasó en la jugada del, del penal, ¿no? Así que lo importante es que a nosotros nos, nos sirva como aprendizaje. No voy a dar una opinión del árbitro. Creo que obedece, nada más. Es una persona que obedece. Vino a obedecer órdenes. Nada, él queda mal. Él se exhibe solo, él... No sé, no, no me gustaría hablar mucho de eso porque lo respeto al señor, respeto su trabajo, su trayectoria, pero lo que hizo en la cancha antes de salir es una falta de respeto para, para el partido porque realmente no fue lo que sucedió. Eh, a mí me hacen un penal que no me marcan y luego él se queja de que el otro era penal cuando lo toca. Son cosas de fútbol y no puede hacer eso. Y aquí en la conferencia no escuché, pero si dijo algo, pues exhibe solo. All right, shots fired there between Henry Martin and Turco Mohamed. Herc, who side you on? Ah, uh, this is not about sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you wearing? <laughs> I mean, I just had to make a quick wardrobe change here just for this segment. Look at that beauty. Look at that beauty. Look at that beauty. I'm just saying, if producer Beto is going is gonna, to, with his pro-Chivas anti-America ways, is going to load this rundown with anti-America content while they sit number one in Liga Mekis. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear the jersey, baby. I'm wear the jersey. Listen, listen. Turco Mohamed was the one who said what he did, not producer Beto, not a representative <laughs> of Chivas. And it was also Gurk before that, yes. Mauro Gurk with uh, Querétaro. Right. Let, let me go just really quickly uh, on the penalty kick, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was a penalty kick. I thought he was dragging the leg, he looked for the contact, and then he let himself go, okay? Mm-hmm. You thought it was a penalty kick. Yes. The referee on the field did not. The only mm-hmm. way VAR could bring it back is if it's clear and obvious that there is an error. Mm-hmm. My problem with this is when you slow something down 
or when it's a still shot, everything looks worse. Football is a contact sport. I thought the correct call was initially called. Mm -hmm. Decided not to. It's one of those plays that goes either way. It's not as clear cut as one would seem. Okay, that's what I will say about that. Now, Turco Mohamed, and you're seeing it here. Is this warranted? It's not about being. It's not about whose side I'm on. Is it warranted? It's not warranted. Um, mm -hmm. Take it from who it comes. Say it. Excuses. No, it's not an excuse. This is, this has is that why they lost the game? You think that's why? You think Pumas deserve more with their two shots on goal? You this has nothing to do with the game. This has nothing to do with the game. It doesn't have anything to do with Pumas versus America. This is Turco Mohamed, Antonio Mohamed versus America. And that's what you need to realize. This right. man is still hurt. He is still upset that after he gave Club America a championship in 2014, I was there that day. They beat... Mike Tigres' team in the final, after they won, he left. He left. They pushed him out the back door. Ricardo Pelaez pushed him out mm -hmm. the back door. They wanted a different coach. They shoved him out. They never gave him the respect that he deserved, and he's right about that. But what he's doing right now is damning. These statements are damning. Mm -hmm. He's pretty much accusing these refs. He's accusing mm -hmm. The establishment of corruption. He's accusing them of fixing games. Yes. Like, there's going yes. to be a massive, massive punishment for this man. Right. Fine. I don't know what, but these are damning statements, and it's coming from a, a place in his heart of hurt. Yeah. Every time America wins, we got a conspiracy. So now the referee is in on it. Also, the VAR guys are in on it who overturned his call. He goes to the monitor. That's all just to show. I don't remember Turco Mohamed complaining about the calls America got when he was in charge of Las Aguilas. That's all I'm going to say. I, I, I love how I love how this turns into a conspiracy of America segment. Instead of talking about the team being in first place, Henry Martin being back, teaming up with Julian Quinones. Brian Rodriguez, the ex-LAFC man, by the way, playing like a man possessed. He's been brilliant. One of the best players, one of the most dangerous players right yeah. now in Liga Mekis. Lishnovsky, who's signing, I kind of scoffed that when I saw it, has, has shorn you. up that back line. Ramon Juarez. Um, America's coming around, boy. America's coming around. And instead, we're talking about conspiracy theories because Turco Mohamed is, is hurt. Right? Well, he's not the only one. This is supposed to be a Turco Mohamed versus America, and you took it personal. Last week, Herc, I had a chance to speak to Lynn Williams, who, of course, plays for Gotham FC and the U.S. Women's National Team. Let's check out that conversation. Joining us next here on Football Americas, Lynn Williams of the U.S. Women's National Team and Gotham FC. And perhaps most importantly, I should point out, co-host of the Snacks podcast. So a fellow, a fellow media member here with us on the show. Great to have you, Lynn. Thank you so much. I know I have like my Snacks box over here. <laughs> Got to promote the show. We know all about yeah. that here on, uh, on Football <laughs> Americas. All right. So along with Crystal Dunn and Naomi Germa, uh, you teamed with Allstate to bring what they're calling a coaching mural to life uh, in Chicago. Tell us a little bit about what drew you to this project. Yeah, you know, I have a passion for giving back to the game. The game has obviously given so much to me in my life and my ability to travel the world and all the success I've had. So just uh, giving back and bringing more kids to soccer. Um, soccer is obviously a global sport, um, but in the U.S. sometimes people don't have access to, to fields, don't have access to just all the equipment or just the knowledge of what they should even do when they're training. And so um, with Allstate and Black Star, they had this idea to put a mural up um, that was interactive, that would help kids um, know what drills to do, that would um, just give them an opportunity to go out there and, and just play the game. Uh, you just got back, speaking of, uh, some time with the national team, first time together since the World Cup. You got a brace in that first <laughs> game back. Uh, what was it like to be back together with everybody for the first time since the World Cup? 
Yeah, you know, it was an interesting camp. Um, obviously, it was a very short camp and we had a lot going on. We have two people that were retiring, so celebrating them, people who have been in their first, this was their first camp, and then a group of people who needed to get back together to move forward from the World Cup. Um, it's not a secret that we didn't do exactly what we wanted to do um, down in New Zealand and Australia, but what I love about this team is that we are always a moving forward mindset. Um, we can learn from the past and we can take things from the past, but if we dwell on it, then we won't be ready for the very quickly approaching Olympics. Um, and so I thought it was awesome. I felt like the group was really excited to be together. The vibes were good. Um, there was like a newness to the group, obviously with new players as well, but there was just seemed like a, like a nice energy about the group that we were all excited to push and move forward. Um, and it's helpful that we got two wins on top of it. Lynn, I mentioned you are the co-host of the Snacks podcast. I was listening to an episode after the World Cup and something that you said really stuck in my head. You talked about how this team was kind of too talented mm -hmm. for the results that, that you got at the World Cup. So how do we then explain and now you've had some time to kind of debrief it with your teammates what, what happened in the world cup yeah i think that you can't put your finger on exactly what happened um there's a million different uh perspectives there's a million different little tiny things um you know i think that we just couldn't all for some reason get on the same page um, until the Sweden game, it's, it, it seemed like. And it also felt like um, we, maybe we were so tight and so not nervous isn't the right word because I don't feel like it was nervous, but so much pressure on our shoulders or feeling that there's much pressure on our shoulders, especially the younger players as well. And the people who, like myself, this is their first World Cup. Um, that we, I don't think we were playing our free selves. Um, and that's for whatever reason. Um, and it just didn't translate and it, until the Sweden game. And, you know, I feel like that was a good game to build off of. But unfortunately, in tournaments, um, you can't wait that long to, to get going. And we got knocked out. But, you know, I don't know if there's like one specific reason why. Um, I also think there's things that are the team needs to keep internal and we can't just share to the world. Um, but, but I think moving forward, we, like I said, I think that's a growing moment. And um, one thing I am proud about the team is that we stuck together. We were able to um, come together and put a performance up against Sweden that we were proud of. Um, it's unfortunate the way it ended, but um, I think if we can continue to come together and come together sooner than, than four games into the world cup, then we're going to be just fine. What about you on a personal level? You know, obviously, as an attacking player, you're accustomed to scoring goals. You know the talent on this team. You saw that attack struggling first couple games, you're on the bench. And then I wonder about this other element of it, which is like literally everybody, Lynn, and their mom was like, put Lynn Williams in the game. <laughs> like, how did that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't like on social media seeing it, but my fiance was telling me and other people were telling me, I mean, it feels good, obviously, um, anytime people um, are supporting you and want you in the game. Um, obviously, you wouldn't be on the national team if you didn't think you could make an impact. And if you don't think that, you probably shouldn't be there. Um, so I wanted to be on the field as well. Um, that doesn't mean that I didn't trust the teammates that I had out there um, and didn't trust that they were going to get the job done. Um, but also on the other side, like selfishly, I wanted to play. Like I love playing soccer. I want to score goals. Um, and unfortunately for me, I, I mean, fortunately, I got to play, got to be there. But unfortunately, it wasn't necessarily what I envisioned for myself. So obviously, there's going to be a new coach coming in. U.S. soccer says maybe as early as the December camp. Mm -hmm. If you could give that coach one bit of advice before taking over this national team, what would you tell that person? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Uh, um, Play Lynn Williams. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I would say that you have an immensely talented team, um, a hardworking team that has a very American mentality of like never say die. Um, but you need to figure out how to get the best out of us. You need to figure out how to put subgroups together that work um, and then just bring a joy and a life into the team again. Um, but just, I would prepare them to be on a, <laughs> it's going to be a journey. 
<laughs> That's the truth. Why do you think it's such a challenge coaching the women's national team? Because, well, one, I think you have so much talent. You you are trying to figure out who works well together, but you also have other uh, players right on the, the heels of everybody bidding to get into the team. So making sure you're picking the right players, sticking um, with the veteran, but also a new mixture, um, and then figuring out what, what system works, what subgroups work. And then on top of that, you have a very strong-willed group of women who um, I think is incredible. And I think that's why we've gotten so far on and off the field. Um, but sometimes that could be a little bit more difficult to work with. Lynn, can't let you go without talking some National Women's Soccer League. Yeah. The standings this year are crazy. Crazy. You, know, you, you, you guys could win a game. You could be first. You could lose a couple games. You could be out of the playoff <laughs> picture entirely. Like, how do you approach the, the run into the season here and trying to make the postseason? Oh, it's madness right now. I don't think the table's ever been this close ever. Um, oh, you just have to take one game at a time. I think if you start looking too far ahead, you get you get ahead of yourself and and you can drop points, miss out on things. I think the unique part about the end of the season is I believe most of the top teams are playing each other right now and most of the bottom teams are playing each other. Um, so not everybody can pick up points. So it's going to be an interesting last three games. Um, but I think you just focus on one game at a time and put everything you have into that. Um, and I think you just play every single game like a playoff game. All right, there she is, Lynn Williams of Gotham FC and the U.S. Women's National Team. Lynn, great to have you with us here on Football Americas. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you so much for having me. There we see Lynn Williams in the uh, top five in the golden boot race for the National Women's Soccer League. Again, uh, some action going on tonight. Angel City and Orlando Pride, big their game for playoff implications. Parting shot, uh, one more nod to USL. As 13-year-old, yes, that is correct, 13-year-old Davion Kimbrough made his first team debut with the club. He becomes the youngest pro soccer player in American history. 13 years, 7 months, and 13 days old. Her incredible stuff. It is incredible. There's a conversation to be had about if you're okay with a player this young, and listen, he doesn't look like a 13-year-old kid. He's about 5'11", right? Mm -hmm. Physically mm -hmm. mature. And we see this all around the world. Everybody's trying to get players on the field. The sooner, the better. But this isn't one of those 15 or 16-year-old players making a first-team debut. And if you saw at the beginning of that video, there's a photographer on the field. It's almost like it's pre-planned. Mm -hmm. This will be the moment we debut the youngest player in U.S. soccer history. That's not really how professional sports work or should work. Um, not to take anything away from this incredible achievement for this player, but you need to do, go about it the right way. When he's physically ready, when he's emotionally ready, when he's mentally ready, um, and not just because you want to make a headline. And I, yeah. I don't want to speak out of turn because I don't know if that's was or yeah. was not the case, but that's the impression I'm getting here. I agree with you. If we're talking about like the specific example, I want to give full credit to Kimbrough, to his family, to the people at Sacramento Republic, that you have a 13-year-old kid that whether he's 5'11 at 13 or not, um, is capable of training even with full professionals, is an accomplishment. And, and this young man deserves plaudits for that, not questions. I do think, Herc, it feels a little bit accelerated. It feels a little bit too much. And we know it's a playbook that works for American soccer. Like we know that this generates headlines. We're talking about it here. The great best example of this all time is Freddie Adu. If you remember how much hype there was because just there was a teenager on the field. There was a kid under 15 years old, a 14 year old playing. Um, you can generate so much attention by doing this. I understand why the teams do it, but Herc, if you think about it, we don't really see this too often around the rest of the world. Like you would never see a 13 or 14 year old playing in the championship in England. You wouldn't see it in League One in England. You wouldn't see it in League Two in England. Um, Lamine Yamal is the, is the player of the moment, right? The prospect yeah. of the moment. Uh, he's 15 years old when he first plays for Barcelona's B team. That's the best talent in the world. And at 13, he wasn't playing for Barcelona's B team yet. So 
it just feels like in general, there's like an arms race to have the youngest, but man, credit to this kid. Yes. 13 years old, you're good enough to play. And this isn't this isn't a USL League One team. This isn't an MLS Next Pro team. This is an independent franchise that is not just trying to win titles, but has shown us in the past they can very much compete for titles, even the US Open Cup. This is an organization that takes winning very seriously. So what, what Kimbrough has accomplished uh, is certainly remarkable. Dual national as well. Serves a round of applause. Yes, I think he's been in a Mexico U-16 yes. camp. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we're not far from a, a call-up conversation there. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. We will be back on Thursday at our regularly scheduled time, 8.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, and we'll have an exclusive conversation there with Naomi Gurma. He's Hercules Gomez. I'm a very well-dressed Sebi Salazar. Thanks for watching, uh, and we'll see you on Thursday night. Sorry, Producer Beto. Mm-hmm.